You know, one of the greatest myths about leadership is that leaders are born. We've been in this series, and I just want to talk to you about that today. It is a myth that, that leaders are born. Well, they're not born. Leaders are made. And I want you to understand that as we come to our last installment here today in our series. Leaders are made. They're not born. And I'm a product of that. So speaking from that today is very important and deep within the fiber of my being. They're made, they're made by two things. They're made by choices and they're made by circumstances. They're made by choices, they're made by circumstances. When you make the right choices in the right circumstances, you will become a great leader in the long haul, that's for sure. Remember what I said, and it's not new from me, you've heard it many times before, that we started off this series by saying that leadership is one word and that one word is influence. Can you say that with me? Influence. Leaders are influencers. That's so vital to look at that. You can see that throughout the Bible. You can see in the day that we live in, leaders are influencers. And every time you interact with anybody, even if it's just a conversation, you are influencing them. I want you to know that right from the outset. So you are a leader already. The question is not whether you're a leader or not. It's whether you're a good one or a bad one. It's are you intentional or unintentional about it? And so I want to encourage you today, as we've just been talking through this series, we've encouraged you to be a leader. There's so many incredible leaders here in the church that not only happens here in the church, but throughout our community that takes place in through you and everything you do in your businesses, in your home, that is so vital. And we want to encourage you to take a step forward. Maybe you haven't been leading and you want to lead. We're here to partner with you to encourage and equip the gifting that God's put inside of your life. You've seen these words when we come in the front doors of the church over here to the left when you come in. They're, they are vision words. They are on the wall. And how many of you have seen those words? You've seen those words written up there? All right, I want to encourage you because most of you didn't raise your hand. Make sure when you leave, you take a look at those vision words because that is the action words. Those are the verb words that we want you to get. That's what we want you to do. More importantly, it's what Jesus wants us to do. And we've been in this series, and one of those words that is up there is lead now. Lead now. Can you say that with me? Lead now. That's one of our action vision words, lead now. And today, we're going to look at this last installment of the skills that Jesus modeled. Seven of them, they're, they're not all of them, but we're going to pick out seven. That We realize that Jesus was the only perfect leader. If you have to be perfect to be a leader, then none of us would ever lead. Isn't that true? That's true. That's the same for any person. But you need to make some choices, and here are seven choices that you can make. Matter of fact, Luke twenty two twenty six 26 says, says this. Jesus said, the one who serves you best will be your leader. The one who serves you best will be your leader, and it, it's, it's serving. That's where the leadership come in, comes in. It's not demanding. It's not requiring people. It's serving others. Another word maybe would be a, a people builder. Leaders are people builders. You know, they believe in people. And these are seven things that Jesus did to model his giftings and skills in the New Testament. Number one, give them an example. Give them an example. If you want to be a people builder, if you want to be a leader, you must give people an example to follow. Leadership begins with you and your life. It begins with living day in and day out. And those who lead right are those that live right. 
And if you're going to be a leader, you've got to look at your own life and say, what does my life model? Only you can answer that about you. What does your life model? What type of example is your life? It's very personal as we look at. It's got to start with me as a leader. It's got to start with you, and we need to go from there. Why? Because you can only take a person as far as you have gone yourself. How many of you with me say yes? You can't take somebody further than you haven't gone in your life. You have to go there, and that's why it's important to continue to strive towards that. You can't take them past where you already are right now, so we got to be growing people. So you need to grow the leader, grow the leader, grow the leader inside of you constantly. There's so many different ways to do that, whether it's in leadership material, you're around other leaders, you're out there trying it, okay? you got to get out there and try it to be the leader God's called you to be. Jesus never asked anybody to do anything that he hadn't already done and was already doing. Matter of fact, John 13, 15 says, I've given you an example to follow. Now do as I have done. So do it, okay? He says, go do it. He said, I've left you an example to follow. Do that. The other thing is there's a difference between a leader and a boss, and specifically between a leader and somebody that's bossy. They are not the same. Dictators demand, leaders model. How many of you are with me on that? You lead not by fiat, not by dictate. You lead by example. And the Bible says this in 1 Peter 5, verse 30. The Bible says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead by your good example. He says, don't lord over your authority over them. That's, that's like really a dictator mentality over them. You have to. Are you better? We are to lead by example. What do we need to model? What do we need to be example of? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 gives us five specific areas that we are to be an example of. And I want to encourage you to read this and make sure you look at it. It says, set an example for the believers in your speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. If you want to be a leader, you need to work on these five areas of your life. In speech, how do I talk to people? In life, how do I live my life? In love, do I really show love to other people? In faith, do I really trust God? In purity, do I live a life of integrity? These are the things that God says, I want you to model. And he gives us an example in all these areas, these five areas. So leadership is a choice. It really is. It starts by making the choices that other people choose not to make. And that's so vital. Anybody can be a leader. The issue is, do I choose to be one? First, you have to be an example. The second thing Jesus did, if you want to be a leader, second, you must give people a greater purpose, a greater purpose. Challenge them to a greater purpose in their life. That's what leaders do. They help us see beyond ourselves. They get off thinking of their own selves, and they, they see them see things in a bigger way. The challenge is to us is to help people see a greater cause, a greater purpose, a greater project. They catch a vision, vision to enlist to a greater cause, that there's something greater to go after. Why is this important? Why do we need to do that? Well, we need leaders. I need leaders in my life. You need them in your life because we all need people to force us to think beyond ourselves. By nature, I'm a pretty selfish person. I could pretty easily say, I'll make money, retire, die, and just feather my nest and forget about the rest of you. Isn't that true for a lot of us? It's quite easy to live a self-centered life on our own. 
But leaders force us beyond ourselves to look to a greater cause that forces beyond ourselves in what we could do. We need people in our lives who push us to greatness, right? They force us to be what God has called us to be. We only grow when we're challenged. How many of you know that? I mean, we're only going to grow when we're challenged. Everybody needs a challenge. I need a challenge. You do. If you don't have a challenge, you're coasting. And when you're coasting, there's only one way to coast, downhill. How many of you are with me? Listen, so if you're coasting right now, you're going down, not up. Because if you're going up the hill, you're pedaling, you're going after it, you got your muscles engaged, things are going forward. So if you're coasting today, you're going down. You're not progressing forward, you're going downhill. So you need to ask what that is in your life that's causing you to coast. You know, you're just kind of, oh, whatever will be, will be. So you'll always need a challenge in your life. What leaders do is they challenge other people to bring out the very best in them. You have to challenge people differently because we're all different. Isn't that true? We're all wired differently. Jesus knew this. There's three examples in Bible verses that I want to point out. So Jesus challenges priorities. He did it in the New Testament. He does it to us today. How does he challenge those? If he hasn't done this already, he's going to challenge you, your priorities in your life. Jesus will challenge your priorities by asking you to give up something. I want you to give up this for something better. I want you to give up this for something greater, for the good of others. I want you to give this up so that you will go here. That is the challenge of priorities. Leaders have to give something up in order to go up. One day, a wealthy CEO was walking down the street. He sees Jesus and says, Lord, I want my life to count. In so many words, this guy had everything. He achieved success, wealth, fame. He had pleasure. He had everything he wanted at a fairly young age, but he was bored. And he thought, there's got to be more to this life that I'm living. And we have to realize that we are made for just for the success of this earth. We were made for significance. A lot of us maybe are like the young CEO. You've achieved a fair, at a fairly early age what it took your parents a lifetime to achieve. And you say, I've got it, I've got it made, now what? I've achieved the ladder of success, now what do I do? There's got to be far more. So this CEO comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do with my life? How do I make my life count, Lord? How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him the challenge of his priorities in Mark chapter 10 in verse 21, where he says, go and sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. What's so important, it's interesting that in the entire Bible, Jesus never said this to anybody else but this man. Jesus doesn't say this to all of us, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. No, he said it to this one guy. Why? Because it was a unique challenge because it hit this guy right where he lived. Jesus knew that this guy lived for money. He lived for wealth, so he hit right at where the guy's toughest need was, and that was his priorities. He said, okay, here's the challenge. Go give everything you have to the poor and come and follow me, and you'll have something better. You'll have treasures in heaven so that that will go on forever and ever and ever. He challenges his priorities, You know, it may not be to you to give your money to the poor, but it will be in some area. I want you to give up this in order to get this. The second way that Jesus challenges us, he challenges our faith. 
challenges our priority first, giving up something that's meaningful. Then he says, I want to challenge your faith. How does he do that? By asking you to do something that is impossible just by you alone doing it. This is how he stretches our faith in Matthew 10, 7 through 8. It says, Jesus sent the disciples out with these instructions. Go announce the kingdom of heaven is near. Hey, that sounds pretty easy, Jesus. I mean, I think I can do that, right? That sounds pretty simple. Go announce this. Go tell everybody. And then, by the way, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Now, would you call that a challenge? Uh, Yes. I think so. He says, give as freely as you have received. You have been blessed. You are blessed to be a blessing. That is why we are in constant need of the work of the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives, day in, day out, moment in, moment out, second by second by second, that he can help us and he can empower us to do the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will test your faith by asking you to do something that's seemingly impossible. I want you to go go and ask for forgiveness of that person. I can't do that, Lord. I want you to start tithing. I can't afford that, God. I want you to go and talk to this person about me. I can't do that, God. He is going to challenge your faith by stretching you to go beyond your human logic and what seems impossible. There's a third way he challenges, and that's through our small thinking. He challenges our small thinking by giving us a greater vision. It's the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us always a greater vision. He says, I want you to think bigger than just just your tiny self-centered world that you're living in. He says this in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you And when Jesus told his followers to go to all the nations, it was physically impossible at that moment. When he gave this command, there were no planes, trains, automobiles. There were no ocean-bearing ships that they could sail on. There was no way until really we see in the book of Acts that was really true. But he's saying, I want you to expand your vision to what you really think you're here on earth for. I want to break down those walls, and I want you to begin to think globally rather than just in your own neighborhood. How many of you know that everybody hungers for a higher purpose? Isn't that true? If you just talk to somebody about the purposes of their life, their eyes light up. You and I are not here to watch history. You and I are here to make history. And too many people are just sitting and watching history being made rather than getting out on the field and playing this game of life. You know, people want to know there's got to be more than life than school and a job, get married, retire, and die, right? It's true. There's a lot more. They're looking for a cause and a purpose and a vision that stretches our ability that makes us what we can be. It is a great vision that makes great people. It turns ordinary people into greater people. So the most important thing you could ever do with your life is, yes, you get saved, you know the Lord, but you join Abundant Life Church, you get involved in ministry, do your mission in the world and help build what God is doing in the nations of the earth because there are eternal implications. That's why. Heaven and hell are in the balance and it's going to outlast everything else. It's going to outlast your job, your family, your hobby, and it's going to outlast your sports. It's going to outlast everything else. God says that I've put you on this earth for my purposes, not your own. The third is affirm people for their potential. 
affirm people for the potential that is inside of them. Give them an example to say, I challenge you because there's something greater in you. When somebody believes in you, somebody affirms you, it causes you to do more than what you think you could do. Isn't that true? It causes us. When somebody says, I believe in you that you can do this, I know you can, it gives us courage. Back in the 40s and 50s, the Green Bay Packers were such a loser team Over 12 years, they only won 30% of their games. They lost 70% of the time. 12 years in a row is a terrible record. In 1958, they had an embarrassing one win and 10 losses, but the very next year, they got a new coach. And what was his name? Vince Lombardi. Yeah, you know him. Over the next nine years, he had nine winning seasons. They won 75% of their games. They won five national championships in a row, including the first two Super Bowls. What happened? What turned a losing team with 12 years of failure into the most winning for nine years in a row? What happened? They got a leader. They, They got a leader, and they got a leader who believed in their potential, and he set an example And he challenged them to a greater purpose and vision. He believed in their potential, and then he affirmed them inside of that potential. He said, you guys can do this. You're better than this. I know it. You're not losers. You're winners. You can do this. And they started winning. And by the way, does anybody here know what the G on the helmet of the Green Bay Packers stands for? What? No. But that would be a good one. Some of you know it. I know you're not saying it because you were in the first service. It's greatness. It doesn't stand for Green Bay. It stands for greatness. It's there. It's imprinted. Thank you, God, for greatness. We'll put those two together, right? You need somebody in your life that's pushing you. Push it. You've got to, have you got anybody in your life that is pushing you, who stirs you? Are you doing that with anybody else? Are you affirming the potential of other people? When you look people in the eye, you're saying, I'm listening. You're important. Attention is one of the greatest acts of love. It really is. Jesus modeled this. Mark 10, 21 the story of the wealthy CEO that we just talked about, Jesus looked steady at him and was filled with love. Looked steadily at him and was filled with love. It wasn't a casual glance. He looked him straight in the eye and said, I care and I love you. He paid attention and expressed value inside of him. Here's the truth. Everybody in your life, all the people you come in contact with, every single one of them has enormous potential. Everyone does. More potential than you and I realize. And the reason that we miss it is we are in too much of a hurry. We miss it so many times. We don't stop to look them in the eye and really show them and tell them, you are important. I value you and I love you for who you are. Here's the the key to affirming potential of others. And parents, I'm right here with you on this. You want to bring out the best of your kids? So do I. You want to bring out the best of your wife, your husband, your, your friend, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Treat them the way you want them to become, not the way they are. I mean, you, you know, uh, ladies, treat your husband like he's the king, vice versa, treat her like the queen. Labeling, though, just reinforces things, doesn't it? Like, you know, we live in a world of labels. I'm going to label you for this. I'm going to label you for that. You treat them the way that you want them to become. And so what's crazy about it is Jesus walks up one day to Peter, who, who's Mr. Impulsive, Mr., uh, you know, my foot in my mouth all the time, right? We, we understand that. And Peter, whose name was Petrus, 
Jesus said, you're going to be Petros. Petros means pebble. By the way, it's where we get the word petroleum. But he says, you're a pebble. You're going to be the rock, the rock of Gibraltar. You're going to be steady, unmovable, and you're going to be unchanging. And Jesus in that moment brought out the potential of this guy that didn't think very highly of himself and kept screwing up. Labeling doesn't work. Nagging never works, that's for sure. It doesn't do any good for me to get up here and stand behind this pulpit and say, you, are a, you all are a sorry excuse for believers. That doesn't work. You are all spiritual midgets. That doesn't feel good, right? You're puny for the Lord. You don't have a quiet time. You never talk about the Lord. You don't tithe. You're not in a small group. You're not serving on and on and go down the laundry list, but it doesn't work because labeling just reinforces what you are. True? But if somebody comes to you and says, I see in you that there is potential for greatness, it's greater than you have ever imagined. You never thought of yourself in these terms, but God wants to turn you into a spiritually mature man or woman for the Lord, and I believe that he can do that. Somebody is speaking to the higher potential in our lives, and we normally rise to it. Tell it like it could be that I can see your potential. Tell it like it could be. That's why the Bible says, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. Jesus did it. He had all these assignments about go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure people. In John 14, he says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. In fact, he will do even greater things because I'm going to my father now. Now, that is affirmation. You know what? You're going to be able to do this, and you're going to do greater things than me. And Jesus, I'm believing in you guys, and this is going to take place. I'm building your confidence. You, you just do what I've done, and guess what? You're going to do greater things than me. Great leaders make people feel great. That's what they do. Those of you who are parents, our job as a parent is not to mold kids into your image, but to help them discover what God made them to be. People are not things to be molded. They are lives to be unfolded. You would unfold what God has put inside of them and believe in their potential and not criticizing them. It's so important as we come that we realize criticism doesn't work. Proverbs 12, 25, a word of encouragement does wonders, doesn't it? I mean, it's true. Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One-Minute Manager, and you've maybe read some of his leadership books, and he's written a number of books, he says, catch people doing something right. We always do the opposite. We usually catch people doing something wrong. But if we start saying, hey, I caught you doing something so amazing, and I just want to honor you for that, you're a leader, and everybody needs to be encouraged. Never underestimate the power of affirming the potential of others. Four, trust people, trust them with responsibility. Trust them. Nothing develops faster than when you trust somebody with responsibility in their life. People respond to responsibility. The truth is our expectations have an incredible influence on others, more than we'd ever expect to realize. What research shows us and tells us people tend to live up to what is expected of them. So always know that in your life. Parents, and let me remind you, this and every person, failure isn't fatal okay? Failure isn't fatal. We've made that many times in the world. And, you know, failure isn't fatal. It's how I've learned probably most of the lessons in my life. How about you? 
I see some kids, they're sitting out there and saying, you know, if you're thinking, you're thinking this, I'm going to tell my parents, Pastor John said, it's okay to get an F because failure isn't fatal. If you're thinking that, you're smart enough to get an A. <laughs> oh, gotcha now. All right. We need to give the opportunity for people to fail because the Bible says make allowances for each other. That's part of the responsibility. A survey of grandparents was done, and the question was, what would you do differently as you raise your kids? Their number one answer was, I'd do less for my children and teach them to do more for themselves. That's good. There's gradual steps of responsibility. Jesus did that in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. The Bible says, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with a lot. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. If you love someone, you'll always believe in him. You all expect, always expect the best. Jesus always did that, and he does it with us. He always expects the best. He never expects the worst with us. That's what we are to do with other people. Five, give people honest feedback. This is a bit harder, giving people honest feedback, because nobody's perfect. We all need occasional correction. One time, the disciples were trying to do this miracle, and they couldn't do it. And in Matthew 17, Jesus gave them honest feedback. It was because, listen, he says, you do not have enough faith, answered Jesus. I assure you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could do anything. So the negative must always be followed by a positive, and that is how you give honest feedback. John Wooden, you probably know him, was an amazing man, coach at UCLA, great basketball coach, held the Bruins to seven consecutive national titles, seven in a row, and he actually won 10 championships out of 12. Amazing record. There were two sports psychologists who went to study Wooden's coaching, his leadership techniques to find out why did he consistently produce such outstanding players year after year after year, and they discovered that one of the keys was how he got feedback. It's what he called correct instruct. Correct, then instruct, which was don't do it this way, instead do it this way. And he led his team to consecutive victories. That's what Jesus did. He gave the negative, don't do this, but do this. So don't do this, but instead, if you will do this, it's going to work out a whole lot better. And you know, we are human, so isn't it amazing that we hang on one single criticism when we've been given 100 compliments? How many of you are with me on that? Yeah. Yeah. Because why? Well, they, they carry a greater emotional weight. So you have to be very careful with how you treat them. Here's the key. You correct without condemning, and that's what Jesus Christ did. Ephesians 4, 21, 29, excuse me. Don't use harmful words. Only use words that are helpful that help build up others. Number six is treat people as equals. Real leaders don't act superior. They don't try to act like they're better than anybody else. They treat everybody the same. John 15, 15 says, Jesus said, I do not call you servants. Instead, I call you friends. And if that scripture verse doesn't set you back in amazement, I'm not sure what will. I don't call you my servant. I call you my friend. And he is your friend today. That God would call me a friend is amazing. That God calls you a friend should sit us back in amazement today that he cares and loves us so much. Treating others as equal means as a leader, you share credit. You accept the blame, but you don't share the credit. You, 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 but you share the credit. Excuse me. Leaders never blame anybody else ever. God can do great things through the person who doesn't care who gets the credit. 
Amen, church? And when you have that type of attitude, God will use you in unimaginable ways. Colossians 3, 4, God says, I'm going to share credit with you one day. When Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. You're, going to, you're not going to share in it. And then seven, number seven, you pray for people. You pray for your employees. You pray for friends, small group. You pray for your students in your class. You pray for your teachers. You pray for your principal. You pray for those on your sales team. You pray for your coworkers, friends, your neighbors, your relatives. You pray for your children, your spouse. Jesus said this, I pray for you, Simon Peter, that your faith may not fail. And all throughout Scripture, we see Jesus leading by being a person of prayer. And did you know what Jesus has prayed for you? John 17, 20, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all of you who ever believe in me because of their testimony. So that includes you. So if you want to know what Jesus is doing right now, he's praying for you. You may have walked in here today and you think nobody cares. Scripture says Jesus is praying for you right now. He knows your needs. He cares for you. He's praying. Jesus is personally involved with our lives through prayer. So my question is, we come down, we bring this series to end. What are you going to do with your life? You can be a wealth builder. You can be a reputation builder. You can be a body builder. Or you can be a people builder. And that is the greatest use of your life. That's not knocking to say, don't take care of your body. Don't save your money. That's not saying any of that. It's saying the greatest thing with purpose is investing in other people because it's the only thing that is going to last forever. Every one of those other things I just said will not last. They're eventually going to come and go and they will burn up, but people are going to last forever. That's why the Bible says fame is fleeting. Don't ever waste a second of your life trying to be famous or wealthy for pleasure because that will not last. We're only here maybe 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years, but you and I are going to spend eternity forever in heaven. So invest in people. Imagine, what if everybody at Abundant Life Church, every family, every person here, you said today, I am going to be a leader with a godly influence. Could you imagine the multiplication effort that would leave this church, get ready to go back into the highways and the byways, go back into your neighborhood and have that heart? Do you know the change that could happen just by this church doing this? Could you imagine the life change? There is a greater purpose for your life. God is calling us to lead, be people builders. God is calling you and me to do that right now. Will you take up that humble call? Will you do what God has called you to do? And would you lead now? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your incredible words of life throughout the word of the Lord. Father God, I thank you that through your word that you have showed your intention for us as your people to be people that are positively influencing the world around us with godly influence. Sometimes it is a frightening task, but God, it is your design. 
And I pray that your people would have courage today. I pray that they would have courage in their heart, that they would take the time to think through these steps and take them to heart of what your word has commissioned us to do and that you want us to discover the higher purposes for who you've called us to be. I pray, God, that we would ask the question in our own hearts that who do we need to be an example to? Who is that person that we need to be an example to? A friend, somebody you work with. You may be the only believer that somebody knows. We would encourage others to go after the potential and the greatness that you've placed inside of their lives. That, Lord, those that are heading in the wrong direction, that we would speak into their life today and that we would give honest feedback and love. That, Lord, we would realize that. Thank you for this church family. I see, Lord, in this body such enormous potential. You've given us amazing leaders that are here, that are with us, Lord, that are going to leave, Lord, this place and go minister to a world that is desperately in need of leadership, Lord, that we would be people builders that show you and live for you as the way and the truth and the life. And we pray this all in your son's name. And everyone said,